Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. We're going to call our speaker tonight, Jane, um, for because we are recording this. And um, I have such fondness for this person. Um, I watched her come in um, several years ago and um, start working the program. I've seen her um, do some service work, and I've just seen her show up for herself and um, just some phenomenal acts of courage that I don't know that every woman could do. And I'm just really proud of her. And I think she's an incredible, um, incredibly strong and smart woman. And I'm really happy that she said that she would tell her story tonight and allow it to be recorded for the podcast. So um, take it away, Jane. (laughs) Such a nice introduction. Um, I'm Jane, a sex and love addict, and I identify as anorexic. Um, I didn't realize I had 45 minutes, so I'm gonna, I'll try to make that. Um, I'll talk about what happened, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I usually try to say things that I think other people will relate to, but there's parts of my story that I don't know if other people relate to. I don't hear it much, so I'm just going to share it anyways, and hopefully if somebody relates, awesome. Um, I I try to think back, like, when did this start? Like, what was, what was my first experience with sex and love addiction or avoidance of it? And um, I know when I was... In elementary school, I would chase boys around the playground. I remember a teacher calling me out and be like, don't do that. Um, and like kissing our, my neighbor. And then in junior high, something flipped. And I was terrified of guys. Like I, I really, really wanted a boyfriend, but I was also really, really terrified. And um, now that I've done some work and process like what's happened me as a child um I think one of the things that happened is I didn't really attach to my mom so I've been with counselors and they're like you know you need to look at your mom you need to look at your relationship with your mom because I was always so focused on my dad because he died when I was 11 and I was like nothing happened and nothing she didn't yell at me she didn't she only spanked me like once you know like she there wasn't I couldn't think of anything but I Knowing more now and actually watching the um, still faith baby experiment, if you've ever seen that, I didn't connect with her. I've watched this woman, like since going back to present day, I watched a woman in a program with children 
and she was like smiling at her baby and she, she was so engaged and really watching her baby. And I was like, I did not get that. My mom did not do that. I've seen a picture of my mom like changing my socks or something. And it kind of looks like she's doing the dishes. Um, and I don't think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to like blame her or anything, but I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out like what happened and why. So, um, what I've learned present day is that like there, there is something in that connection. There is some value in that connection. And when we don't get that connection or when I didn't get that connection as a baby, there's actually some stress. And because I don't really have memories of it, I don't, I didn't ever know to process this, but I, I believe now, like that was a big thing. Um, not being having anyone to connect to when my first experiences in the world like it just I experienced a lot of stress and I didn't have any way to process it. Um, and then in about first grade my my parents split up and my mom married an alcoholic and he there was a lot of raging and then I found out my mom was raped at gunpoint by her first husband and I think somewhere in all that crazy mix I got terrified of men and and then my my stepdad beat my mom he killed himself and then my dad died a month later it was like crazy it was just craziness um when i was 10 11. and somewhere in that mix i got really really scared of men guys and um so i think that saved me from having a really extensive fourth step when I came to law, because there was just a lot that didn't happen. But what did, what I could put on my fourth step when I came to law, sorry, I'm jumping around timelines right now, but um, is fantasy. Like there's a strong, I feel terror, but then also a strong longing for a relationship. And what felt safe to me was like what I can make up in my head. And, um, and I also think that sometimes when I did finally feel safe enough with a guy, I would, rush everything like oh my god there's like some sort of connection um okay sorry i'm going i'm going out of order so what it was like what it was like was me being scared um my first boyfriend i had because i thought he was gay that's that's how i got close to him i thought he was gay and then he said he wanted to date me and i was like all right um so and then i also would like I kind of assume things like if I had some attraction to someone I would assume that they felt the same way about me like I didn't know I guess it's like a really immature way to connect with a person I I thought I knew that I wanted to be with them and I felt good about it and I was being monogamous I just assumed they were and that was not happening I soon met Samantha and was like heartbroken about the the other people that he was dating that was like in college um so there was some, I guess, unrealistic expectations there. And then some acting out with like revenge, wanting some revenge, but then not being able to go through with it. Um, like thinking like, oh, I'm gonna get back at him sexually, but then I just, I couldn't, I just, I just didn't want to. Um, so I did feel um, intense connection and then whenever there was a breakup it would be really really sad and I don't know how I compare to other people not that we have to compare but um 
I think like there's an intense pain and I get okay with it. And um, I, I minimize the pain. I minimize my awareness of the pain or something. So I think I do feel that intense pain of separation, but then it's like, I just minimize it and go on with life. Um, I got into another 12 step fellowship for some obvious acting out behaviors. And there was a guy that I saw from across the room and he just kind of stood out to me. And I was like, Hmm, pretty attractive. And he came up to me after the meeting and I was like, Oh, maybe not. He was, um, more attractive further away, but he wanted to hang out and I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have any friends. So I was like, all right, fine, let's go have coffee. And then he wanted to hang out again. He wanted to go to dance or something. I was like, all right, I didn't have anything to do. I don't have friends. Um, and so I, like we were, I mean, now I would call like, we're kind of dating, I guess. We're one-on-one -on -one hanging out. And he would say, you know, occasionally say like, do you want to date? And I was like, no. And he was like, do you want to go to Jamaica? I was like, kind of do, but not with you. <laughs> like, um, so he, but he's the one that said, he's like, I think you're a sex and love addict. And I was like, what are you talking about? Um, so I went and checked out a meeting and it, they were talking about different things that they did. And they also talked about avoiding relationships. And I could just, I don't know, there was just such an honesty, like a rawness and authenticity in the room that I was just so drawn to. And I, I went up to the girl the, that led the meeting afterwards, and I was like, I, I don't know if I do the addictive thing, but I think that I compulsively push away relationships. And she's like, that's us too. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm in. And um, the helpful things that I learned when I first got in was go have coffee with women, like go talk to women. And my first thought when my sponsor at the time said that I had asked this girl to be my sponsor, I was like, I don't like to shop and I don't like to do crap. And she looked at me like, what? <laughs> like we're girls. Like we all do, like we all do the same stuff. Like she actually like rock climbed, you know, and she did fun outdoor stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay. So, um, I started, you know, finding people that would, I could re resonate with in the meeting and asking them for coffee. And it was, it felt super awkward, but I think other people were having their sponsor tell them to do the same thing. So it was, didn't feel so unnatural. And um, something happened when I would just sit there and make eye contact with another woman. And it was like, there was no, I couldn't flirt. I couldn't like intrigue. I couldn't do anything. I, it's just like, I don't know. But some of the most wonderful experiences I had in those coffee states with women were having my feelings validated and her being like, Oh, it sounds like you're saying this. And like, I could, I felt that too. And that felt so good. Cause often in relationships with guys, they'd be like, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, maybe I am crazy. I don't know. Um, so just having that validation and having people say like, I felt that too, you know? Um, that felt really good. And it felt like if I compared it to like hanging out with guys or hanging out with girls in the beginning, it was kind of like, Meh. like, it was just kind of like flat, like not very exciting, just like kind of grudgy or drudgery. Um, but over time I, I recognized like, oh, that's, that's me. Like 
that how I felt about doing that was kind of how I felt about myself. Like I wasn't very excited about myself. Um, but then I got to like mirror, have my feelings mirrored back. I got to mirror their feelings. And there was something really beautiful that happened of like just kind of appreciation for my own experiences and someone else's that's had something similar. And um, I don't know, That's that's been the most profound thing in this in this program. Um, I heard one of the sponsors I listened to early on said that she told her sponsees, you know, before you call me, call three other women in the program and then call me or three other people. And uh, I thought that was really great because it's helped me build up a network of people that I can call um, when when life happens, you know, because life happens and it doesn't matter what I go through in life. Like there's somebody in the program that's experienced it somewhere. Um, and that I've, I've also heard, um, like, it's good to have different levels of friendship. I don't know if it's levels is the right word, but I have people that pour into me like a sponsor or people that have been in the program longer that have a lot of w wisdom to disseminate. And then I have like what I call my trudging buddies, which are people that came in about the same time that I did in the program. And we're both like going through withdrawal together and feeling all these crazy intense feelings at the same time. Um, and it's really great to have that. And then over time, and then I got sponsees and have people that I could give information to. So um, just it, what that helped me do is just be aware of the kind of exchanges I was having in relationships. Like some relationships were reciprocal, some of them were receiving and some of them were giving. I learned over time that for me, the receiving relationships were the hardest. So receiving from my sponsor, receiving from somebody wiser, older than me, doesn't have to be older, but like that's been in the program longer. It's, I, I don't know, I feel like shame or like not good enough or something. It's really hard for me to be in the recipient uh, stage. So um, that's been good awareness. Um, over time, going through my steps, I did create a dating plan, um, and I, I remember feeling like really empowered by that. Like, because one of the things I listed on the my dating plan were things that I'm looking for, things that I won't tolerate, things that you know what works for me, what doesn't work for me, and I was like, holy man, I have standards. Like that has never happened before. <laughs> Usually. When I see a guy I like, it's just like, does he like me? Will he stay? Does he like me? Will he stay? Those are the only things that really matter. And so like now I have this document that says like, I don't know if you qualify, you know? And that's that's a good, it felt really good. Um, because I am avoidant and afraid of relationships, sometimes I use it a little too strictly, but I don't judge myself for that. Like, I think like this is an ever evolving process and like wherever, I'm at in the moment is okay. Like there's things that I'm internal, really deep pains of things that I'm working through and it's okay. Um, but I can see looking back that for a time, like I use these really strict requirements to just exclude a whole bunch of people. And I understand why I did that because I was terrified. I was scared of getting into a bad relationship. I had been in some bad relationships. I was scared of getting into another one. And so it's, it takes time to learn how to decipher these internal signals inside of me. And I've heard people, some people say in the meeting, oh, if you get like, if you feel a spark, like run, like that's, that's dangerous. Don't do that. And I had to feel that out for me. Like what, what is that for me? Is this, does this spark mean run? Or is this like a light joy? Like, does this spark 
mean you know that he's a sex addict and i need to stay away from him it's in like learning how like w- what happens in me and then what does that mean what do i want to do with it how do i take care of myself around that and that's an intensely personal process and nobody can tell me i can get ideas from other people i can get ideas from my sponsor but i the ultimate decider is me and that's one of the hardest things that i had to do and i think in the beginning it's like there's a lot of guidance from a sponsor and that's maybe important you know because my addiction my head's full of my addiction and you know i need to get clean of that first um but once i'm the intense some of the intense feelings have passed and i'm trying to like move on with life like go out dating go out making new friendships and doing that kind of thing i have i really have to get clear on how do i feel about things and what does that mean what should i do about it another thing i had to learn was what my needs and wants are or that i have needs and wants (laughs) um like uh just kind of realizing like oh like i do need time to relax like i literally need time to relax i can't just work all the time um because my goal was just to work as hard as possible and then retire as soon as possible that seemed great for me and i don't need friends um but i've that is something that i've learned in here is like how much meaning life has now that I do have friendships and I do have people I can call and I do have people I can relate to. And I do, I'm able to be of service to my friends or people in program or meetings. And um, sometimes just by listening or by validating what they're going through or offering some experience that I've had and sharing that with them. Um, I don't know, it's, it's given life sometimes I think like oh my god what is this all for like what what's the point of this but when I'm been engaging with my friends I've been engaging in program I've been like connecting with people on a real authentic level I don't even care what the purpose is I'm having fun you know it feels good so um that is a gift I've gotten a program one of the things I'm working on now more recently is realizing how I hold in. If I think that the other person, and I think I knew this before, but I'm just seeing it more ingrained again, it's coming back or something. Um, when I think that the other person won't approve, I hold back. I don't want to say it or I withhold. So I don't, I don't lie, but I withhold. Lie by with or dishonesty by withholding information. I don't know. Um, or I wait until it's really, I feel like it's really safe. I wait until the other person says something similar. So I feel like I can be accepted with them, which, um, it comes up in relationships. I don't know if it's still some of my man fear. Um, like I'm, I'm afraid to upset them. I'm afraid to piss them off or I'm afraid they're going to leave. And, um, yeah, I don't know what that is, but it, it does come up and, Another thing that's happening recently, I am dating and it's like, I, I do my step work. I'm like going meetings, like meeting my friends, not dating. It's like, I'm level headed or even dating people that I'm not that interested in, you know, just practicing. It's like, I feel so level headed. And then someone's like, Oh wait, I kind of like that one. Um, and a few dates in, I'm like, in, I'm in fantasy. Um, and thank god i have friends and program to help me when i'm like it comes up 
you know, it comes up and it's, there's not a real strong indication that, okay, my mind is going crazy now, you know? It's sometimes I just have to feel it. Like I just have to feel, I feel a little off base. Maybe I should call someone. And I think like I'm pretty good, but I think I'm just gonna call someone. And then the more I talk to someone, I'm like, I realized like, whoa, I was, my addict had like taken over and was in charge. And um, I was about to make some decisions that were not smart. And um, so it's helpful to have a dating plan. It's helpful to have people that have seen, been witness to me dating and recognized my own patterns. and can call me out on it in a loving way. That's it's a really big gift. Um, because I don't know, like relationships are really hard. And I've been, I was decluttering recently and I found one of these pamphlets that I would read about like how to be happy. Like how do you increase your happiness? And very first thing, it's like the most greatest source of happiness is relationships. But the hardest ones, it's the hardest it's so hard um so i'm really grateful you know like i'm lucky that i recognized i had an issue with relationships and found a program of people that are also working through struggles of um you know boundaries and i don't know what else other people work with internal fantasy that's my thing or you know moving too fast in relationships assuming that there's love there when we don't really know each other yet. Um, there's just a lot. Um, so what is it like now? I still have some crazy, but I also have a support group of people that can call me out and that I can get a break from when I'm, when I'm obsessing about something, I can go listen to somebody else and listen to their problems and feel pulled out of myself and feel grounded again and serene and, um, yeah, like life is, life is a lot better. You know, it's not perfect, but it's a lot better. Um, and I think I'm running out of things to say. I don't know how long I've been talking, but I think I'm kind of out. <laughs> so thanks for listening. That's absolutely fine. Thank you so much. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.